tonight I just want to get right into the word. Um, I want to talk to you about something that really has been stirring in me for a few months now, actually. But um, it really is something that ranks at the top of our abilities as women. Really, all of us are very good at what I'm going to talk about tonight. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that we do best. Unfortunately, what this thing that I'm talking about is um, that we do best can actually cause the most problems in our lives. And that ability that I'm talking about is called comparison. Are you familiar with that word, that term, comparison? No? All right, well, let's just close in prayer then. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have a a problem with comparison, Um, comparing myself to people. But anyway, you know, comparison causes a lot of problems in our lives. Problems like insecurity, right? You're shaking your head, so I'm assuming you can relate. It can even cause pride. It can cause discouragement. It can cause um, disorders. It can cause depression. It can make you feel defeated. It can cause problems with or in relationships, right? It can cause jealousy. Another problem it can cause is self-hatred. And it can even lead us to do evil things. You know, there's a, a story in the Bible in 1 Samuel which about Saul and David. And if you are familiar with that story, you know, Saul, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, when David came into the picture, Saul was this great man, right? This great leader. But when, when David came into the picture, the people started saying things like, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And when David started looking at that and comparing himself to David's accomplishments, his accomplishments to David, you know, jealousy entered his heart and really caused him um, to do evil things to the degree of trying to murder David. So comparison is really, is not our friend. It's our enemy. And so, you know, why are we so caught up in comparison? Why do we do it? You know, and... I really believe that the answer is just so simple. It's because we have believed a lie. We have believed a lie. And, you know, that lie goes all the way back to the garden. All the way back to the garden. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or die or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Now here's where the comparison comes in. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Now, uh, before this event happened, 
You know, Adam and Eve were just fine in the garden, right? They were secure in who, in just being God's children. They were happy. They didn't have a care in the world, right? Then enters the serpent. And Satan basically just says, you know, Eve, look at God. Compare yourself to him. Don't you want to be like him? I mean, being God's child is good and all, but you could, there's better. You can be better. You can be more. You don't have to just be God's child. You can be like God. And so Satan came in and tempted her to compare herself to God's position and what God had rather than just being content in who she was in Christ and who God created her to be. And she ate the fruit and it led to evil. And ever since, we are just living our lives, looking at our neighbor or our friend or our sister sitting next to us in church. We compare their abilities to our inabilities. And we compare their successes to our failures. And we think, man, if I could just do what she does, people would like me more. If I could just sing like her, or if I could just do this like her or better, people would accept me more. Or we compare what they look like to what we wish we would look like, right? And think, man, if I had blonde hair and blue eyes, I would be way more attractive. Or we look at what they have compared to what we don't have, and we think, you know, I would be so much happier if I had the money that she had or if I had the house that she had or if I had the lifestyle that she had or, man, if I had the husband that she had, I would be so much happier. So, again, why do we compare? Because we believed basically the same lie that Eve believed in the garden, the lie that says, I am not enough. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not desirable enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. And the list goes on and on. So how can we break out of this comparison trap? How do we break out of this dysfunctional destructive behavior. Tonight, I just want to quickly give you three nuggets to help you uh, break away from this destructive behavior. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying tonight? Okay. All right. Number one, look beyond your abilities to the purpose that God gave them to you. Look beyond your abilities to the purpose of those abilities. Why did God give you those abilities, right? We all have different gifts. We all have different callings. We all have different talents, right? He made us each individual, right? We've all been given those gifts and abilities and callings from God, but they haven't been given to us for the purpose of self-edification. God didn't give you a talent of singing so you can self-edify yourself. Look how good of a singer I am. That's not why God gave you that gift, right? 
Our gifts and our abilities and our callings have been given to us to get out the message of the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. That said, there is not one gift or ability or calling that is more valuable than another. There is not one calling or gift or ability that is more valuable than another. They are all on the same value that God has placed the same value across the board, no matter what you can do. All right. No matter, no matter what you are called or able to do, whether in your mind, it's a small thing. It's a big thing in the eyes of God. He gave it to you so you can get his message out. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse four says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. You see, when we, when we take our gifts and calling and we do them in our own strength, that's what devalues them. But God has placed those in us for him to use. So when we allow him to use those gifts in us, That takes that ability to a whole nother level, right? You know, you see, it's not about what we are called to do. It's about what we do with that calling. It's not about what we are called to do. It is about what we do with that calling. And, you know, the Lord showed that to me a few months ago. Um, I just want to tell you a quick testimony of a family. There was this father, and he had two sons. And this father had a very um, prestigious business, a very um, a thriving business. And he had two sons. One of the sons he put in a position of really high honor, kind of like the CEO. Like he made all the decisions, like he was the big boss. The other son, he gave really what we would consider like the menial tasks, like you know, the dirty work, the hard work, the work that's not ever really noticed or acknowledged, okay? And so, you know, but here's the thing. The son that did the menial tasks, he never, ever complained. He did it his whole life, basically. He never complained. He did everything with a smile. He would give you the shirt off of his back. He was a, he was a phenomenal man. I knew him. He, he was a phenomenal man. Um, you know, he, again, even though the, the tasks that were given him were just, in our eyes, we would consider that there was no glory in them. And, you know, it kind of seemed unfair because this young man was such an outstanding man. He was a man of God. And, I mean, just like an amazing man of God. And, and to me, you know, it seemed unfair. Like I thought he was the one who really deserved the spotlight. He's the one who deserved the promotion, but he never got one. He worked for his father with a, just a pure heart his whole life. And, and I remember asking the Lord, Lord, why, why, he's such a good man. Why don't you give him a promotion? And that's when the Lord told me, It's not what you're called to do, Tanya. It's what you do with that calling. This man fulfilled the calling God gave him with humility. 
and with integrity, and he brought glory to God. He fulfilled his calling to the utmost, no matter what value myself or others placed on that ability. He, he actually exemplified Christ to the, us, uh, to the uh, utmost. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And the scripture says when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name. Now, I want to tell you that this man is in, in heaven now. He fulfilled God, God's purpose for his life. And he passed away. He is in heaven now. But I guarantee you that the promotion that he received when he got to heaven is way bigger than any promotion he could have ever gotten here on earth. Amen? Because he exemplified Christ's likeness no matter what he was called to do, no matter what I thought, how much I devalued his calling and his ability. God valued it. Amen? And people got saved because of it. People got, lives got changed and touched because of this man. And so again, it's not what you're called to do, but what? It's what you do with that calling. You know, so I want to encourage you, find out what your gifts are. You may know what your gifts are, but you have despised them because in your mind you thought they weren't, they weren't, um, valuable or they weren't worthy. But I want to encourage you to relook at those gifts and callings and see why God has placed them in you. It's probably because you're a humble person and he knew you could handle that type of a job. But find out what your gifts and abilities are and place the value on them that God has placed on them. He's the one who gave them to you. You know, when we despise, when we despise our gifts, it's like we're saying, God, you didn't do a good enough job with me. You made a mistake. And God don't make mistakes, right? So place the value on them that God has placed on them and do them for the glory of God, not for your own self-edification. You know, I once heard one, someone say years ago, like 20 years ago, and it has stuck with me. You do the work, let others get the credit, and God will get the glory. Amen? Number two, allow God to fill your core longing of acceptance. You want to break free from, from comparison? Then let God fill your core longing of acceptance. You know, whenever God created us, he gave us all the same core needs that really he is the only one who intended to fill those needs. You know, we all have these needs. They're the same needs. We all have a need to belong. We all have a need to feel secure. We all have a need to have purpose and to have significance, right? And to be understood. We all just want to be understood and to feel loved. We all want to feel loved. 
But, you know, Satan has done a very good job at convincing us that since we're not good enough to receive it from God alone, that we have to get these core longings met in ungodly ways. Ways like performance, people-pleasing, popularity, success, or things that God is not designed for us to do, right? And so Satan is basically, basically saying you are accepted by how much you can measure up. How much you can measure up. So we spend our lives using other people as our measuring stick or our measuring guide to determine how much more we need to perform to get our needs met, right? How much more do I need to do this to get this core longing need or this need met in my life? How much people-pleasing do I need to do to, to get acceptance? How much performance do I need to do to feel loved and to feel accepted and to feel valued? You know, this is an exhausting way to live. I lived that way for a very long time. And I still have to catch myself sometimes from slipping back into that mentality. But it's exhausting, and it basically only leaves us with temporary satisfaction. It will satisfy you, but it's only going to be temporary. You know, it's kind of like eating food that's appealing, like crawfish. But it has no nourishment, and it has no sustained satisfaction. It's like eating empty calories. You know what I'm talking about? You know what kind of food I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, that emotional food. <laughs> but listen, God, this is what God is saying. Satan says, you have to earn it. This is what God is saying. You don't need to meet certain standards. You don't need to work or earn acceptance. Earn acceptance to feel good about yourself. I sent my son to meet the standard for you. So now, guess what? Acceptance is not is our inheritance. It's not our job. Yeah? Acceptance is our inheritance. It's not our job. Because God, Jesus did the job for us. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's saying, what is it that you need? What is it that you need? Do you need love? Do you need acceptance? Do you need to feel worth? Do you need value? Come to me and, and I will give you rest. You can rest in who you are in Christ because I am feeling that need in you. And this is the kind of food that will stain, will sustain you long term. Amen. And number three, let God define you. Let God define you. He has already defined you, but receive the definition of yourself that he has given you. Let God define you. You know what? Comparison is very deceiving. Comparison is very deceiving. You know, in our minds, when we compare ourselves to other people, we think, you know what? I am going to look at this person and I'm going to see how she is and I'm going to decide for myself by looking at her what more I need to do to become enough. But that's really not how it works. 
when we compare ourselves to others, you are actually giving them permission to define you. When we compare ourselves to others, we are giving them permission to redefine us. We spend too much time trying to read in others who we are. We spend too much time trying to read in others who we are. We let others, really, they don't define us. They're redefining us. Because God is saying, I have already defined you. Jeremiah verses 1 verse 5 said, chapter 1 and 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He's saying, before I formed you in the womb, I defined you. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before I ever gave you your gifts and talents and abilities, before I ever gave you those things that you do best, I already set you apart. I've already defined you. I know who you are. I know who you are. You see, the world says that your identities lie in what you can do, but God says your identity lies in what he did, right? In Galatians chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, But when the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son, born of a woman, born as a Jew, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own sons. And because we are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So now we can rightly speak of God as our dear father. Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons and daughters. And since we are his sons and daughters, Everything he has belongs to us, for that is the way that God has planned it. God never intended for us to go finding who we are and searching it out of other people. It's who we are in Christ. He sent Jesus to do that for us. You know, our, our identity is given freely as an inheritance. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. So we don't need to use comparison to try to figure out who we are, right? God does not even compare his children to each other. He doesn't compare me to you or you to me. Yeah? I mean, I may not be as good as, you know, of a singer as you, but you're probably not as good of a shopper at the mall as I am. You know what I'm saying? So why even, why even try? You know, it'd be like me saying, okay, she's a good singer. I need to try to learn how to sing. And so, okay, I'm going to sing to y'all tonight. Y'all ready? No, I'm not even about to do that. <laughs> but no, listen, you know, again, we don't have to, we don't have to work to earn acceptance. It's freely given in Christ. Amen. And so I say all that to say, if, if you can just understand these three nuggets, and I know that the Lord will show you more, but we don't have that much time. But this can help you. This can help you break free from that comparison. So next time 
you look at someone and, and you see what a good job she does at whatever, and you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Ask yourself, God, why can't I do that? And then say, God, what is it that you, you have given me to do? There's a reason I can't do that, because you didn't create me to be her. You created me to be me. So what, what am I good at, Lord? What, what are the gifts that you have given me? And show me how to use them to get your message out. Only Jesus. You speak through me, Lord. Let them hear your voice. Let everything that I put my hands to do, when they see it, they see the hands of Jesus. Let everywhere my feet go, when people look at the, the places that I go, that they would see the feet of Jesus. When, whenever I put my heart into something, let them see the heart of Jesus, the heart of God. Yeah? It takes the pressure off of you to perform because you're not doing it for your own self-edification. Yeah? Amen? Well, we're going to close. We're going to close. And so I just want to invite you to just um, close your eyes right now. We're just going to spend a little bit of time just in, in prayer. And I, I had asked the ladies to sing that song, No Longer Slaves, the last song that we did, because it just ministered to me so much in, in this message and, and whenever the Lord was ministering to me about my issue with comparing that I don't have to be a slave to comparison. I don't have to be a slave to that. I'm a child of God. Like in my mother's womb, the verses say, you have chosen me. Your blood flows through my veins. No one else's. As a child of God, as a daughter of God, we ne need to step into that rightful place that he has provided for us and step out of this place of I'm a slave to other people and their opinions of me. Yeah? And so I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want to ask you a question. What is your not enough? What is your not enough? I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. What has Satan been putting in your mind? The lies that he has been speaking into your life that I am not enough. What is your not enough? What or who have you been comparing yourself to let the Holy Spirit show you let him show you has he shown you lead you in just a quick prayer the first thing we want to do is we want to ask God to forgive us forgive us for not placing the value on ourselves that he has placed on us because when we do that it's saying God you didn't do it right and so I want you to just ask the Holy ask the Lord to forgive you just say Lord please forgive me for comparing myself to other people because that's not your perfect will for my life 
other people's ability is not your perfect will for my life. And Lord, I want to step back into what you have called me to do, your perfect will for my life, because that's the place where you want me to be. That's the will of God. And so, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me for ever thinking that I am not good enough. When you've made me good enough. When I devalue myself, I devalue what what the work that Jesus did for me. And so forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for not putting a greater value on what your son has done for me. you to ask him to feel that longing that's in your heart what is that core longing what is that thing that you've been that that thing that you've been needing that has been causing you to compare yourself to others so that you can get that core need met is it to be loved why do you compare yourself so that you can be loved so that you can belong so that you can feel secure or have purpose or significance what is that empty space in your life that you're just grasping for other people to fill I want you to ask him to fill it. The scripture says, come to me and, and I will give you rest. So I want you to just say, Lord, I need this. I need, I need to belong. God, I need to feel loved. Will you, will you fill that need in my life? some security God would you please feel that in my life I need purpose God would you help me Lord ask him and then finally accept it receive it and accept the work that Jesus did to be enough let Jesus be your enough let Jesus be your enough what he did that is your identity only Jesus and him crucified we can rest in that inheritance We can put down the plow and we can rest. Father, I just pray for the ladies in here tonight, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would just touch their hearts, God. That you would fill their hearts, God. That you would meet their needs, God. Lord, show yourself true and real to them, God. 
Lord, they don't need a human touch. They need a Jesus touch. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just release your anointing over them, God, to rest on them and let them feel your touch, God. Let them feel your touch, God. I pray, God, that you would release your spirit over them, God, like a blanket of love. Wrap them up like a blanket of love like a blanket of acceptance with a blanket of purpose only by your spirit God and Lord I pray in Jesus name that you would just lift this burden off of them this lie that they have believed I break its holds off of their lives Lord that they are not enough but Lord Jesus you have made them enough because you are enough. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, and I bless your daughters in here tonight, God. I bless them with favor. I bless them with hope. I bless them with peace. I bless them with security. I bless them with strength and honor and dignity. I bless them, God, with heads held high and hearts wide open to receive all that you have for them, God. I bless them, God, with security in who they are in Christ. And I bless them with the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And God, I bless them with your anointing upon their gifts and abilities to bring forth your gospel. And I bless them, God, with spiritual eyes to see themselves as you see them, that they no longer need to look to the left or look to the right or look behind them at who is surrounding them to see what they need to be like, Lord, but that they would look forward to the cross of Christ to see who you have made them to be. And I seal the work that you've done in their hearts and their lives. In Jesus' name I pray.